When you start to build some structure for yourself and you start to build consistency, creativity and, and productivity and also well-being, it just starts to flow in a different way. Hey there, this is Bev and I'll be the host of People at Work today. People at Work is brought to you by Jostle, the creator of an employee intranet that's trying to help employees be plugged into everything they need to have an excellent experience at work. And while we're building our intranet, we're also thinking about uh, what are the leading ideas around making workplaces better? around the world. And so we decided to start a podcast and we have conversations with leading thinkers and folks who are really on the front lines of improving the experience that people have at work. Today, my guest is Steve Rio. Steve is a social impact entrepreneur, futurist and transformational coach. He is the CEO and founder of Nature of Work and the host of Now with Steve Rio, a podcast that explores what it means to live a good life. He's an expert in the future of work, remote and distributed teams, workforce performance and wellness and technology. And he has a special passion around helping individuals and teams realize their full potential. Steve's business Nature of Work is a work-life optimization program that helps individuals and teams gain control over their time, energy and attention in order to increase performance and reduce stress and burnout. And I was very fortunate to be part of an alpha program for one of Nature of Work's pilot projects and got to know Steve through that process. And I can definitely say that my life improved through the tools that Steve provided and that's why I'm so excited that he's joining us today to not only talk about some of those tools to help everyone reduce stress and burnout in their lives but um, we're specifically going to talk about how we can build a system to structure time and attention when working remote. So welcome Steve it's wonderful to have you here on the podcast. Yeah thanks for having me. So Steve, you and I have gotten to know each other over time and uh, we actually find each other living on the same little island off the coast of Vancouver. So it's yeah. really special when I get to talk to people who are almost neighbors. So thank you for coming along. Yeah, I, I still remember uh, hand delivering the uh, field guide that went with the alpha trial to your house. Yeah, you were the yeah, only person awesome. I hand delivered to. So. <laughs> Yeah, that was really awesome. That added a really special layer to the experience for me. And uh, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to be in the tranquil setting of Bowen Island as I went through that program and mm -hmm. um, just seeing it come to life. And it's now a full product out in the market. So tell us a little bit about the journey that you've gone through to arrive where you are today. Yeah. Uh, like, so first off, I think that a lot of people when I'm speaking or and, and my intro says I'm an expert in performance and wellness and they, they get sort of nervous because they think, oh, you know, I don't get enough sleep or I don't do this or I don't do that. Like I definitely, this all comes from a place of me being an entrepreneur that used to work myself to right to the ground all the time and was constantly feeling burnt out or going through cycles of burnout and exhaustion and... Um, I think that basically hit a point where something serious had to change. I actually found out that I had a kidney disease. Um, I found out I had uh, basically an autoimmune disease, which is caused by excessive stress on the body. And I'm pretty sure that I'm the person that was putting that stress on myself. And um, there was sort of that experience. And then also when I did move to Bowen Island, the other experience that really shifted was uh, suddenly being working fully remote all of the time. And uh, I had already started shifting my company towards um, remote work. We had given up our full-time office. Uh, this was over six years ago now. 
And so we were already moving towards future of work mentality and looking at that. But when I moved fully remote, I, I really realized that I suddenly had no, um, I'd say like pillars in my day or my time to help structure me and ground me. And, and at the same time, I was moving and renovating my home. And so things were kind of chaotic. And I just, I reached a point where I just realized like I really needed some systems. I needed a process. I basically needed to get grounded. The singular experience that really set off the, the journey of building nature of work, which was, it really started as something I just was researching for myself, but was building this beautiful office that I'm sitting in now and feeling like I finally had the perfect place to work from. I was going to be the most focused I'd ever been. I was going to be this incredibly productive person. Um, because I had this beautiful space that was quiet and my own. And, and uh, I, as soon as I sat down in this space within the first week, I started panicking actually, because I realized I can't focus at all. What's going on? I thought I had built the perfect environment. I'm in this office, all these things. And so I really had to stop and, and think about what was going on. And I realized that it was what was going on inside my brain my own habits, basically what was going on inside that needed to, to shift. And that's what led me down this path. I started doing all of this research, um, realizing that there's a, a tremendous amount of very sound research from the fields of neuroscience, physiology, behavioral psychology, um, all these different, from self-regulation, all these different areas. We're just not listening to it in the way we work. So I just basically started building myself um, a program and a system and then having conversations with people realized how many others are feeling like this and, and how many others are, yeah, experiencing similar challenges in terms of being able to focus, in terms of feeling like their time, that they're not in control of their time and that their work days are getting longer and all of these sort of things that are happening, I think, in the modern era of work. Uh, so that, that was basically the journey through. Yeah, I, th I think what you're touching on there is... Um... I'm hearing two things. First, that this was a, a journey of self-awareness for you and, and how you arrived at this place of um, putting in the work and then still realizing that you, you didn't actually have what you needed to be the most productive you could be. Uh, and then second of all, this awareness around what's changing in the way that humans actually come together and, and work. And it seems what I'm hearing from you is that those two pieces have actually come together for you to have this realization that we need to systemically change how people are engaging with their work, wherever they find themselves working. Yeah, so, that's a that really good, accurate. Yeah, that's a really good summary because I think there's two components. One is I was reaching a point in my life where I've always you know, prided myself on how much I could get done. But I think I look back and that was by brute force and by just working super long hours and, and being a grinder, but realizing that that was not going to be sustainable and that needed to start shifting. So there was the personal realization about my own time and energy. Um, and then, yeah, I think over the last really 10 years, the way we communicate at work, the amount of technology that we have uh, that we're engaged with has completely changed the landscape for how we work. Um, and so it's really those two pieces. And of course, moving remote and all of those components as well. Yeah, and I mean, that's just been amplified over the last six months as many of us have been shifted quite quickly into this remote work setting that wasn't our normal to begin with. So one of the questions I want to ask you is, so we know that the world of work was changing anyway. 
and the way that people relate to one another and connect and get work done was changing anyway. But what do you think has most significantly shifted since uh, COVID-19 arrived and really the world has been turned on its head in terms of how we all come together to try and continue to do our work together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The people, the the shift towards more flexible work structures has been happening and at different companies at very different levels. Uh, BrightWeb, my uh, former company, like I said, we actually, we are about to sign a new five-year lease on our office and I realized this is not what I want. I want to shift that way. So we started shifting, but there's a big difference between having the choice of coming into the office or working from home or spending a couple days at each um, having the freedom to be out and, ab- out and about. And um, there's a big difference. When COVID happened, everything changed and it was immediate and there was no options. Um, I think there was also uh, um, a couple psychological factors happened. One is that there was this sudden level of recognition around the uncertainty of kind of everything. And I think a lot of people feel very comfortable in basically ignoring the fact that life is fairly uncertain, but this made it very clear. And that brought a lot of stress and anxiety along with it. So you think of this kind of weight of the unknown of the uncertainty of what was happening and are we going to get sick? Are people going to die? Am I going to lose my job? Uh, Just all of these things. Uh, So there's like, there's that kind of thing happening. There's also, um, we build routines and routines are actually very important for our brain in terms of how it functions in terms of when it knows to be active or inactive or, you know, and so all of our routines just basically got stopped. Um, Whether they were healthy or unhealthy routines, we did have routines. You commute to work, you stop at the coffee shop, you arrive, like there's these steps that you take that basically remind, like your brain starts to understand, Oh, I'm almost at work because I'm getting my coffee now it's time to work. I'm in this space. This is where I work from. And all of those things had to shift. And I think suddenly we were left without any systems, scrambling to try and figure out how to communicate. I think a lot of people who didn't have a lot of remote work, basically, I'm sure they're, they either turned on Slack for the first time or their Slack just exploded, their Zoom exploded. And suddenly the amount of distractions at home was more than even in the office. So I think there's like a bunch of factors there that have made it a really challenging couple of months. And as companies, you know, you got to try and keep things moving as leadership has all sorts of macro and external factors to consider. Are our clients going to disappear? Is the market shifting? So they're trying to manage those things, but at the same time, all of their people are suddenly trying to maintain their daily uh, routines and get their work done in a completely new environment. So definitely a challenging few months. Yeah, I think we've all felt it to some degree. And uh, for me personally, one of the things that I've been grappling with is this, since we moved to being fully remote at Jostle, is this feeling of always being on. So Mm -hmm. even though it's eight o'clock at night, I have been at my desk or at my computer when I should really be sitting and decompressing or doing something that's non-work related. Um, And I catch myself, um, probably more so in the beginning than now, but um, I do feel like that is something that's really been causing a great amount of stress for not only me, but, um, and I'm hoping that that's where our conversation will go today is is just helping our audience who may be feeling that same way, um, understand what some tools are that they can use to Mm -hmm. actually 
create better habits and to have the system that you've referred to that will help them to structure their time and their day a bit better. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's really interesting. I think a lot of times we imagine that we want unlimited freedom but, and we want unlimited autonomy, but actually when you're handed that and you're suddenly working from home, it can be really difficult to work at a specific time to get things done, to stop work at a specific time. And the response to that needs to be, you need to create your own boundaries and, and create a system and, and create some routines, basically create some structure for your, for your work and your personal life so that they can both exist and coexist because you don't have this you know, the separation of a physical a space shift. Um, and, uh, and, and also when you're basically, I think in the last few months, the added level of stress actually makes it harder to make good decisions. So it's often, you kind of lose track of time, you lose track of what you're doing at any given time. And I think people are starting to pull back from that. But I think the main thing that we need to think about now, and anybody who's working remote needs to be thinking about is the structures and routines by which they, they start and stop their, their workday, the consistency of that. And, and building out those systems and figuring that out. There's a lot of good research basically that will show you that like effectively our systems, like our, our natural, like our body and our mind, they, it, it, they much uh, prefer routine. They prefer to be consistent. Our sleep is much better when we go to bed and wake up at a consistent time every day. All of these systems really much prefer that. And um, so when there's a lot of variability in when you start your day or when you end your day or when you eat your meals and when you go to bed, it's actually, it, uh, it causes a lot of havoc for your systems and for the way you're, you're thinking. Yeah, I can absolutely attest to that from my own experience where, you know, at some points the days just blur into one another and there isn't that definition that you're referring to and there isn't the, the rigor around having those defined points and spaces during your day to do things other than work. Mm -hmm. I think for me in the beginning, it was fueled a bit by, because there was some uncertainty, greater uncertainty than perhaps than there is now, but needing to show up and show that you are actually showing up, I think put a lot of pressure on people. I know I felt that around um, needing to go above and beyond to show yeah. that you're actually contributing at a time when things are uncertain, put a lot of pressure on me and I've other said I've spoken to have, have felt that the same way but um, I think what I'm hearing from you is that regardless of, of how you, you feel um, you actually perform better when you do have the structure and um, the capacity to actually shift into different modes in your day. That's right and I think I, I've always considered myself a creative person and there was a time when I thought I didn't want anybody telling me when or what to do um, and that I wanted complete freedom and that's how creativity would arise. But the more research I've done and the more I've explored this, these patterns for myself and, and run people through the program, when you start to build some structure for yourself and you start to build consistency, creativity and, and productivity and also well-being, they just, it just starts to flow in a different way. So yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think the way you get there is by starting with, with A, by really looking at the way that you are um, operating currently and being honest with yourself about that. 
and then starting to implement small steps um, throughout your day and different habits and being very accountable to those habits on a daily basis. So that's why the nature of work program is all is structured in the way it is. The information in the program, I think for a lot of people isn't um, new. I think we know we need, like everyone is hearing now that we need to sleep. Um, we know that uh, our, our phones are shortening our attention span and that we need to think about that. There's a lot of components in here that isn't brand new, but information isn't enough. It's actually building the system and being, you know, just bas basically building the repetition and building habits because so much of the way we think and the, what we say and what we do is all habits. Um, and unless those habits shift, then as soon as you stop being fully aware, you just fall back to your old habits. So to me, it actually really starts first thing in the morning. Um, and that's, that's the way we start the program as well is what is the first five minutes of your day look like? And can, and are you reaching for your phone before you even have any of your own thoughts or even ground yourself or drink a glass of water? Um, how are you setting off, setting the tone of the day and how distracted are you in the morning? Um, but basically building a morning routine for yourself so that the first, well, you start with five minutes and work up from there, but the first minutes of your day are calm, are focused, you're priming yourself mentally and emotionally. Um, you know, you're basically setting the tone for the rest of your day. And, and then what we find from there is when you're able to do that, making better decisions about your time and attention throughout the day becomes a lot easier. I think at the root of all of this is our time and attention are our two greatest resources in our life. And the way that technology has shifted that, like basically most of the technology we use is fighting for our attention and our time and attention. Certainly social media and news platforms and YouTube and all of these things, they are in the attention economy. They are in the attention business. They make money when we spend time on their platforms. And so they have done everything they can to make them very, very addictive. Um, but then there's all the project management software has to then compete with that. So it's using little red dots and trying, you know, like all of our technology um, is very distracting and our brain kind of gets hooked on it and it then becomes quite difficult to focus. So I think there's a lot to think about in terms of retraining the brain, rewiring the brain a bit in order to settle down into focus for longer periods of time as well. So there's a, there's a big component of that in our program. Yeah, I remember from um, the program that I did with you, just one of the very first things that I learned was to um, disconnect from my phone. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, obviously the, the program is very rich and it's multi-dimensional, um, but the most compelling thing that I took away was just really being honest about the relationship that I had with my phone. And it's one of the practices that I've kept going since I finished the the program that I did with you and um, just little things like, you know, not reaching for your phone first thing and also not having your phone with you when you go to bed. Like you just put it away, have those boundaries. And, you know, we, you were talking about, um, you know, having the freedom um, even more so now in, in terms of our time because things have sort of blurred. Um, but, for me, the freedom actually came from having structure. I feel more liberated now yes. if I have structure and habits and rituals around things than mm -hmm. what you might think comes from having no habits. Mm -hmm. So have you seen that show up for other customers or people? You've yeah, been for, yeah, honestly, because a lot of people at first, when I explain what the program is, it's, it, it is a habit change program. It is quite structured. And people say, well, that sounds, you know, 
you know, too routine for me. I'm not, I don't really, I need more freedom. And I I just keep, I I always remind them, this is how I felt. I, I know I used to think that way too. And I've definitely found that when, you know, I love the quote from uh, Jocko Willink, who's a pretty intense uh, <laughs> ex-Marine guy. Like, very I just intense. was introduced to him. He's full power. He's full on, right? <laughs> but he has this expression, which is discipline equals freedom. And what he means by that is that when you build routine and you create habits for yourself, it means that you're not constantly trying to make the right decision every moment of your day about your time and your attention, you have a system, you have a philosophy for the way that you're going to approach your work and your life. If you have a philosophy that you're not going to use your phone while you're working, uh, your phone is going to be out of sight while you're working. That is far easier once you get accustomed to that than having your phone next to you. And every time it beeps, you saying, uh, I'm not going to look at it right now because uh, then you're making 25 decisions every 25 minutes or whatever, however often your phone is beeping or buzzing at you versus having a system in place that says, you know what, that is my philosophy about when and when and how I'm going to use my phone and, and building that into a routine and then building that into habit. So it, it starts to create freedom because you're not making all these micro decisions throughout your day about whether to do things or whether not to do things. It's, it's a mindset and it's a philosophy. Um, and the structure then, the other, the other major component of building the structures, and this is what we were talking about earlier around routines. And when, when you have routine, your, your neural pathways start to get trained. Your brain just knows 9 a.m. every morning, I do 60 minutes of very focused work. And, and you get into the routine of that and then your brain will work for you at that time. Um, if your brain never knows what it's supposed to be doing, is it supposed to be on high alert for distractions? Is it supposed to be focused on one thing? Is it supposed to be relaxing? If it never knows exactly what it's going to be doing, then, then you're often kind of fighting with your physiology. Yeah, so let's step into a bit of the practice around building a, a system like mm-hmm. this. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we obviously don't have um, the time to go fully into um, the foundational program of the nature of work and we obviously would like listeners to be so engaged by it that they're going to sign up for your program but then there are some high level things that we should yes. address in our time together here today that anybody can start to think about um, when they're they're thinking about bringing change to their and their relationship yeah. with work so what would you say is the the first thing that people should be reflecting on and being honest about in terms Mm -hmm. of the area that most needs to change for them? Mm -hmm. I think for most people, and this is not true for everyone, but I would say for most people, it starts with looking at their personal device use, like how they're interacting with their phone. And the first thing is just, like I say, the first five minutes of your day, and maybe the first 15 or 20 minutes of your day, um, and staying off your technology and starting to train your brain. To me, all of this is really, it's a brain boot camp, um, is what the foundations program is. I think it starts with that. And the reason it starts with that, that's not work related, but until you um, can start retraining your brain to focus for more than a couple of minutes at a time, it's very hard to to get um, more out of your time when you're working. So, so we always start with that. So the first couple of modules, the first is about a morning routine. Um, it introduces some meditation, basically some mindfulness, some priming, and getting kind of setting up your day before you get on your technology. So that's the first step. The second step 
is just really starting to look closely at your device usage through the day. So I just encourage everyone to just be honest and go and look at their screen time app and go and say, how much, how much time am I spending? One thing that we do in the program that's really impactful for people is look at how many hours a day you're spending on what we just refer to as time wasters, but like, let's say Instagram or YouTube or whatnot. And add those hours up, but just do the math and figure out how many days a year that is. Because most people are just shocked to find out how many days per year that they're spending on, on things that don't necessarily add true value in their life. So that's kind of the first step. The second step is starting to think about um, routines around your work and thinking about um, basically starting to understand uh, the intervals in which you work. So one of the things we introduce is what we call focus blocks. And the idea there is that it doesn't matter if it's 25 minutes or 75 minutes or whatever, some amount of time where you are learning to be fully focused on a single task with no distractions, um, monotasking on one thing and doing that for, let's say 25 minutes and then making sure that you take a short break in between your cycles. So I think the other thing that ends up happening at home and in the office too, but, um, is that we, we end up working for hours at a time in a digital environment and we're bouncing from one thing to the other and we're trying to get a document done, but we end up doing a few emails and 20 Slack messages and a quick call and, and three or four hours go by and we, we haven't actually taken a break where we're actually resting our brains and allowing ourselves to just decompress. Or we take a break, we get up and go have lunch or something, but we take our phone with us and continue consuming content throughout the day. So. Um, we talk about these work cycles, like basically work intervals and, and working in cycles. So you're working for a specific amount of time using a timer of some kind to basically keep track of that. So that's another practice we talk about. Um, and I think that honestly, if you can just implement a couple of focus blocks, if like for instance, I think if, if people got two hours where they worked on a single thing without interruption per day, they'd be surprised by how much more they got done in a week. Like it's amazing how rare it is to get two hours per day where we are focused on a single thing without distractions. And, and the challenge with that goes is that a lot of people feel like if they're working on a document, it only takes a second to jump over to Slack and respond to somebody's Slack message. But what's happening in the brain there is that we're interrupting a singular um, focus we are starting a new process in the brain to think about what the person said and respond back to them, even if it feels very fast, but there's something called attention residue, which means um, your brain, part of your brain stays focused in that other task. So even when you switch back to writing the document, you're not working at full capacity, you know? So there's some part of your brain that is still trying to get back on track. It takes anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes to get fully focused on a single task meaning it takes 15 to 25 minutes to get to a point where you are running at 100% efficiency. So I think the way I think about this for a lot of people is you're going through your day and most of the day you're getting maybe 50 or 60% efficiency out of your time. And when that happens, then you end up needing a lot more time to get your work done. So, so anyway, the, I think the focus box is a really key factor. Um, and then other things that we think about in the program is taking, uh, looking at basically how you structure your time, basically building out your calendar and thinking about that, um, which I, we don't have time to get into. But one factor I would say 
from that that I think is a great takeaway is the idea of opening and closing your day. And opening and closing your day is a really powerful, very short exercise you can do for yourself, which is to say that for the, like when you sit down at your desk and you're about to start work, before you jump into your email, before you allow the outside world to tell you what you need to focus on today, spend five minutes and consider your own to-do list. Think about what are the top priorities for you that day. And if you can block into your calendar, what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. Um, so, so open your day just means to basically prime yourself and set intentions for what you're going to get done that day. And so that's a really powerful technique that honestly, whenever I fall off of that habit, I get way less done and my days just end up feeling much more chaotic. They don't like I end, I, I get to the end of the day and I don't know what happened. You know, I think a lot of people experience this. It was like a crazy day and you don't know what happened. Right. Um, so that's open day and then closing day is a really powerful technique of just taking again, five minutes and saying, what did I get done today? Maybe crossing a couple things off your list. What do I need to focus on tomorrow? So you're starting to just do that, but you're also just spending that couple of minutes ending your workday, mentally having a routine of saying, okay, I've looked at what I did today. I've updated my to-do list and now my work is complete. And that mental habit is very good at creating the boundary as you move into your evening of saying, no, my work is complete. I don't need to think about work again till tomorrow when I open my day again. So those two habits I think are, are really helpful. So if doing those along with some focus blocks, um, finding some time in your day when you're monotasking, which means no distractions, no notifications. Um, and, then, and, then just, and then just thinking about your technology use, all of those things are, are really powerful. Yeah, I've, I'm hearing a lot of uh, myself in, in what you, you're referencing around some of the things we shouldn't be doing. And I know I've still got a lot of work to do, but um, there are a few threads that I want to pull on in what you just shared. And I think the overriding thought there is that it's okay to be self-centric and for you to be in control of the information that you consume and how you spend your time. And I think that's a, a, a mm. shift a mindset shift that you have to make in terms of you're actually in the driver's seat and you're not at the mercy of everything that's coming at you. And I think once you make that shift, you can then make those decisions that, well, no, I don't want those notifications on, or I don't need to attend to that email right now, or do I even need to be in this meeting because it's not something that I can add value to. So you can be empowered to make decisions that are beneficial to you, I think, in the long term. Yeah, that is such a, a good distinction and something we talk a lot about actually in the program is understanding that all of these platforms, like when somebody is sending you a Slack message and they can't see you, they don't know what you're doing at that moment. And it, the onus can't be on them to try and time their Slack message perfectly for you when you've got a moment to answer them. So the onus becomes on you to create boundaries for yourself, which might just mean for the next 30 minutes, my notifications are turned off and I don't check anything for 30 minutes at a time. And I think some people push back and say, well, my, my manager expects me to respond instantly or my teammates, this is how we do it. Um, however, I do think that there's small intervals of time that anyone can start to take control of and it can start very small. Um, and I think the other, the other component, like, so one of the things we talk about in the program is this idea of batching, which is, is to say that instead of um, 
having an always on mentality to your email and to your Slack is to say, these are the times of day when I'm going to go check my messages, get back to everyone, respond to my emails, you know, do all of those things. And if you're in a high communications role, maybe those intervals happen every hour or every you know, 90 minutes or so. If you're more in a, a creative role, maybe it's every three hours or four hours. Um, really depends on what you're doing. But the act of taking um, control over when and how that happens is a total shift in how you feel about your work and the sense of groundedness you can feel in, in what you're doing. Uh, there, there's a lot of good research too that shows when people feel like they have autonomy, their morale goes up. So you feel better about your work when you have that level of control, but it, it does start with you. And the second component to that is maybe it requires a conversation with some of the folks you work with or your um, direct manager and to, to ask permission if you feel like you need to, to say, look, between nine and 10 or between 10 and 11 a.m. and between one and 2 p.m., whatever the times are, I would really like to block that time out for my focused work and to turn off distractions and turn off notifications. Is that okay with everybody? Um, and generally the answer is yes, because it just means you wanna get work done. It doesn't mean you're disappearing or you're slacking off. And it's also great to have those conversations with your colleagues, because if you can start to align when those happen throughout the day, if everyone is focused between 10 and 11 a.m., it means that everybody is getting that freedom and getting that hour to get stuff done. So that is a, a big shift that starts to happen when you first take it, that control and then you start to share that with others and you start to align your calendars and how you think about it. Yeah, and what you're mentioning there impresses upon me the importance of the behaviors of leaders and how they often set the tone for the culture of work and the relationship so that true. we have with work. And I think that that has become more important than ever um, that leaders are aware of how their own behaviors are actually um, out there as sort of the, the guide for how things are done. And yep. leaders, and I don't mean leaders who are in, you know, leadership positions, anyone who's acting in the capacity of a leader or a manager Absolutely. Um, should be looking at themselves first and, and understanding if it's their fault that their people are burnt out or not being productive or have not got the best habits at work right now. That's right. And it's one of the first things I talk about with leaders and managers when we're doing consulting around remote work or um, thinking about these things is just that there's a, there's a couple things. One is the, there's often very, they're unspoken expectations that get set around response rate um, when you move to remote. It's, it, it's sort of akin to the old sort of bums in seats thing. It's like if the person's sitting in their seat at 9 a.m., it means they're a productive person, right? It's like a, a false sense of security for leaders or managers. And the same kind of thing starts to happen when you become virtual is that, oh, the person responds to my Slack messages in 12 seconds. Like this person is super on it. Well, like as a leader, I really don't want people to be responding to me that quickly all the time because it means they're never focused on anything specific. So but oftentimes those dynamics, you know, we've all basically adopted a lot of this technology over the last few years, a bit mindlessly. We haven't really thought through those components. Um, and humans naturally default to the easiest thing. And in this case, the easiest thing is to just respond instantly and get it passed and 
not build a system. <laughs> and so there's that component, but a lot of it, it can create unspoken expectations for your staff. So one of the things I, we, as a, as a leader, as a manager is also to really communicate with people to say, look, sometimes I might email you at night or slack you at five in the morning when I'm working. Cause I love my super early mornings. I'm not expecting you to respond to me then and setting and, and clarifying those expectations. Or if there are certain times of the day when you, you do expect them to be aware, uh, uh, available, declaring that as well. But as soon as you, you take that from the unspoken to the spoken, it gets a lot easier for a lot of people. And it also helps people with this idea, you know, this sense that I'm, I always have to be on because I never know when an email is going to come in anymore. Because a lot of times if you've moved to home and you know, um, a lot of people in, in management and leadership, they're a little bit older, they've got kids at home or so suddenly they're trying to get their work done in the evenings or something like that. And, but if your manager is sending you five emails at night, it can be really hard to turn off. So it's creating those um, expectations and defining the agreements. Like we talk about it as agreements between your colleagues and your, and your uh, leaders and managers. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone earlier this week about, I guess you might call it the fallacy of productivity, where um, this person was expressing concern about whether or not their team members were being productive while working mm -hmm. remote. And uh, we got into this conversation around, well, just because they come into the office and sit down at their desk every day doesn't mean that they are productive either. So you know, whether you're remote or not remote, um, there are certain things and behaviors and, and habits and rituals that you as a team leader and us as a culture have to be providing to mm -hmm. help people be productive and efficient and healthy and stimulated in their work. And mm -hmm. I think that's been one of the biggest things that as I've had interviews with people on the podcast and spoken to, to other leaders who are experiencing this is just really coming to grips with the fact that there are these baseline expectations and behaviors that need to be set whether or not you're in a remote environment. And mm -hmm. it has to start with the leaders who have healthy practices around yeah. how they manage their time, how they communicate what's you know expected, and to be completely rational about that and know that people have got different circumstances and different ways of working and preferred ways of communicating. Yeah. Um, so I think that, um, there's a lot that we can do to just start as individuals though, um, whether or not you're in a leadership position, there's a lot you can do as an individual to take back control over your time and, and how you manage your work and your relationship with work. Yeah, absolutely. The more I've thought about this over the last three plus years, it just keeps coming back to this idea that your time and attention are the most valuable things you have and the way that you spend them determines the quality of your work, of course, but really the quality of your experience of life and, and how much you get done and what you get done and, and what you focus on, all these things. So time and attention is really what it boils down to for me. And I think that's true for individuals. It's true for leaders. It's true for teams. Uh, it's true across the board, inside and outside of work. Yeah, so notwithstanding uh, going through another pandemic, <laughs> Um, what do you think the future looks like for individuals as we all strive to be more effective and more engaged and happy in our work? Like mm. what's, what lies ahead for us? Well, um, what I hope lies ahead, like I've been encouraged that um, first off, I think uh, the way that we've been accepting 
technology into our life over the last decade, specifically, um, you know, algorithm platforms like Facebook and all of these things. I think the, the narrative and the conversation is starting to shift, which I'm really happy about. I think, I hope that our awareness is, is rising quickly around that and that we can start making better choices about how and where we get our information, um, how much we allow these platforms to manipulate us. Because I, I think if we look on a societal level, it's, it's a bit of a disaster right now in terms of the sense-making and the ability to find any truthful information and, and understand what's really happening. So I think that's a really big, bigger issue that I hope we're starting to become aware of and that people continue to take the time to go understand that better. And then I think on a work level, you know, the, the interesting thing about what's just happened over the last few months is in many ways, it's forced organizations to move a, an innovation um, plan from a 10 year plan to a three month plan, or, you know, it's rapidly accelerated the way we think about flexibility, where people can work um, from in order and still be productive. It's, it's just totally shifted the landscape. It's shifted a trend that was moving at a reasonable pace to moving at a very accelerated pace. And now what I think we really need to do is now that we, we we're getting back to some level footing a little bit is to look closely at how we're structuring these remote teams, how we're thinking about our technology interfacing uh, between our teams, how we're thinking about our team's time and attention and making sure that we're not um, falling into the, like you say, I think you call it the productivity trap or, or, the fallacy of productivity and, and not falling into this trap that busyness equals productivity or that busyness equals value. Um, and, and continuing to understand that, you know, our brains are thousands of years old. They work in a certain way and we need to, we need to adjust for that a bit. Uh, I like the optimism in there, even though it sounds like we've got a lot of work to do. I, I think that um, the future is, is, pretty bright for me when I think about humans at work and what lies ahead for us and this this ability for us to actually self-actualize is is actually much greater now I think than it was six months ago because yeah we have been given this gift of of freedom and but to your earlier point with that freedom comes responsibility and I think that holds true at an individual as well as a company level absolutely I think we've also been given the gift of disruption and, and it comes with pain and there's lots, I mean, there's lots of issues and, and people who are very sick. And so I don't discount that at all. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're doing uh, okay. And you've been given this chance to actually really shake up the way you think about work and the way you think about your time and attention and what your purpose is at work. And when you're suddenly working from home, you actually start to have a new relationship with what you're doing. And so all of these dynamics are starting to play in it. And it is, it's just accelerating um, movement and, and growth, I think. So I think there's a lot of opportunity inside of this, as well as all the challenges. So I think being mindful, having really good awareness, both as a company and as individuals around these things, um, as long as you can have awareness, compassion, and, um, and uh, commitment to these things, there's tons of opportunity. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I know that you and I could talk about this for many, sure many could. hours. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I hope that there are going to be more conversations to come, but uh, we are going to have to leave it there for today. So Great. thanks, Steve. I've once again enjoyed the connection that we have. And um, I wish you all the best with the exciting developments that are coming for your new business and for all the, the work that you're putting in to help us be stronger and, and better um, humans. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, if our audience would like to reach you or learn more about Nature of Work, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, natureofwork.co is our website. And uh, if you want to find out more or learn about the podcast, just Google Steve Rio, things come up. Uh, the podcast is called Now with Steve Rio. So you can search for that anywhere that podcasts exist. But I'm easy to find on the internet and uh, natureofwork.co is the best place to learn more about the program. And if anyone's interested in the program, um, I've created a discount code uh, Jostle for any of your listeners. So they can use the discount code Jostle on checkout and that will be good for 10% off the program if they want to um, jump in with us. So we'd love to see some folks from your audience uh, join us. Well, that's fabulous and very generous. Thank you, Steve. I'll, I'll also make sure to include that uh, in the show notes so that folks can access that and, and uh, take advantage of that. So thank cool. you very much. Right on. And I can once again give my personal thumbs up to the experience that I had with the program. And I know that it evolved a, a bit since I participated in the alpha, but um, it really was an opportunity for me to pause um, and reflect on things that I knew were not right in, in my life, not only in my work life, but in how I was paying attention to my time and how precious time really is because ultimately it's all that we've got. So yeah. um, anything we can do to make sure we're using the time as best we can is time well spent. So yeah, thank you. And we really appreciated you participating and, and for those who follow Bev on LinkedIn, she did videos of her experience to talk about each week. And we just really appreciated all the feedback that we had. The program has changed a lot, but the essence that you went through is, is there still. So very similar, but thank you very much. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Steve, and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. It would mean a lot to us if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more people discover the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to ensure that you don't miss an episode. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can reach me at bev at jostle.me or find me on LinkedIn. Until next time, take care.